Welcome to another episode of Theology on Mission as we're recording this live in our studio. Uh, we unfortunately have techno- technological issues and Dave doesn't have his intro music, so hopefully this podcast won't utterly stink. We're, uh, say hi, Dave. Say hi. 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 Okay. See, he's, he's lack. Okay. I'm a little energy. I'm a little grumpy. I admit it. I'm grumpy because but I didn't cheer get him the music. Up, we brought in two good friends of ours, Matt Tebby and Ben Sternke, whom we've known for a long time. Dave and I ministered with Matt many moons ago, and we've known Ben uh, through uh, church and missional circles for a long time. They're the leaders of Grab Gravity Leadership. Could you, one of you... Tell us what gravity leadership is really quickly. I see a finger pointing to Ben. Ben, you're up. <laughs> uh, yeah, gravity is a coaching and training organization. We train Christian leaders to uh, basically do missional leadership. And by that, we mean leadership that is uh, intentionally participating in uh, the mission of God. So leadership that's less about command and control, leadership that's more about participating uh, in what God is doing, learning how to recognize uh, those things. So that's mainly what we do uh, for and, leaders uh, at Gravity Leadership. Northern Seminary has partnered with Gravity Leadership in our Church Planting Institute. That's right. Do some of the training. Dave does the monthly mm-hmm. learning workshops, and Matt and Ben and their team do the weekly uh, training for mission leadership, as he was discussing. So that's on a pilot program for this first year. We're hoping to relaunch again next year. So if yeah, you're interested in say, that, uh, check it out. What do you got to say about it? Dave? I just got to say, I'm hearing a lot of compliments from all the peeps in the, uh, in the uh, co- cohort in the workshop every month. A uh, lot of great comments, especially about uh, Matt's uh, mustache. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wait, exactly. do you still have that mustache? Oh, he does still have the mustache. Yeah, yeah. I love it. yeah awesome. It's excellent. So awesome. Uh, the thing I didn't mention about Matt and Ben, thank you so much for being here, guys, is they're actually Anglican priests. Now, Dave and I are kind of like low church sacramentalists. Speak for yourself. And Matt and Ben are like real Anglican sacramentalists. And we often talk about the table and mission and how does the Lord's table inform mission. So we thought this would be a good topic for the day is how does sacraments and mission work together on the ground, out in the world, and in the church? Right, because I think that a lot of people, I mean, let's just say it like it is, a lot of people are asking the question, how is God present? How is he active in the world? And what does that have to do with him and the way he works in the church? And I think, I'm speaking for myself, not the rest of you, uh, but I think the word sacrament is key to the understanding of how God works in the world. Amen. So how, how is that? How do you understand the sacramental? Well, let's talk about what sacrament is. I mean, uh, okay, uh, maybe the Anglican dudes could could explain to us what historically, at least in the high church, as you call it, high church, low church. I prefer not to call it high, low. Uh, but you know, the sacramental traditions have this clear understanding of the of the sacrament as being a visible sign of of, of a work of God's grace through a material uh, process or a material. Uh, object like the Eucharist, like baptism, like the practice of penance. And uh, I know that I want to expand that a little bit. So, but before I do, Matt, uh, Ben, what do you, how would you describe sacrament within your own tradition? Yeah, that's, I feel, so this is Matt, I feel a bit like a new Anglican. So to speak for the tradition that goes back hundreds and hundreds, even Anglicans trace it thousands of years, uh, feels a bit above my uh, collar grade. 
I thought you were going to yeah. say pay grade, but you said collar grade. Yes, above <laughs> my collar. So, you're, uh, so but, you're like a white collar? You're, uh, I am, I'm a white oh, collar. You're not a, like a black collar? By the way, not, like to, not to digress, but McKnight oh, always wears his collar around the, uh, uh, around the seminary whenever, whenever he wants to get some added authority in the church. Do you have any comments to Mike McKnight about the way he uses his collar for authority? Uh, he's he's our canon theologian for our diocese, and so I, I submit. You submit. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so uh, just just reading out of the Articles of Religion from the Book of Common Prayer, um, which is a really powerful document if you haven't ever read it, but it, this is what it says about sacraments. Sacraments ordained of Christ be not only badges or tokens of Christian men's. It was written in 1801. Christian men's profession but rather they be certain sure witnesses and effectual signs of grace and God's good will toward us, by the which he doth work invisibly in us and doth not only quicken, but also strengthen and confirm our faith in him. So for us, uh, the way we translate that into 21st century uh, suburban language is that sacraments are a sign, a seed, a symbol, and a sign, seed, symbol, and, oh, shoot, what's the fourth one? <laughs> yeah, I start with an S, but it doesn't start with an S. Yeah, I'm going to be disappointed. Sign, seal, symbol, and seed. That's it. Sign, seal, symbol, and seed. A, a sign of our faith, uh, a seal of uh, God's Holy Spirit, a symbol of our participation in Christ's redemptive work, his death and resurrection, and then the seed of faith, uh, in particular, even, uh, you know, we baptize children and infants. It's a seed yes. of, of faith. So yeah. that's the way that, uh, that's the way that actually uh, Scott uh, describes it. And I think that's a good summation. Okay, so that's a lot of heavy lifting for somebody like me who's, as, as Hothclaw keeps calling me, I'm a, I'm a low church guy. Low church. And uh, uh, that's a lot of heavy lifting. Can I, can I summarize it, though? Uh, by it's a specific particular location of the presence of God in a symbol or a material reality that we are participating in. Does that ring at all with you, yes. you Anglicans? It does. Yes, I think I think what's important about the Anglican tradition that I'm learning, Dave, is that uh, these are these are the sacraments, capital S, are ordained by Christ. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're things that Christ specifically instituted and, and has provided his spirit for in a, in a, in a organize, organized way. Okay. And I like that too. Uh, and I guess the way I would say it is uh, he promises to be present by, in, and through uh, this vehicle by the spirit. Um, so I think, we're all together on this. I think everybody in the room, figuratively speaking, this electronic room, agrees on this idea of the sacrament. I think what the Anabaptists do is they take it, uh, and this isn't true of all Anabaptists, but just like you guys are Neo-Anglicans, I'm going to speak for the Neo-Anabaptists, and I'm going to call on John Howard Yoder's body practices where he actually uh, describes the idea of a social sacrament. Uh, and, and he says, uh, he calls them social sacraments because God becomes specially present 
as Christ in and with, I quote him now, in and with, through and under what men and women do together. So it's a social practice of us together in mutual submission to one another where Jesus promises to be present. And so you could say eating a meal together. Uh, where we are all mutually submitted to Christ's Lordship and invite his presence there. He promises specifically to be present there. Likewise, let's say in the practice of reconciliation, wherever two or three gather in my name after going to that person and saying uh, and presenting them with the sin you have uh, committed against me. And then whenever two or three gather together in the midst together, socially, I am there in the midst, he says, under my name. And so that's the idea of a social sacrament. And so for me, this is a big deal because it takes the presence of Christ. Um, um, it takes like, like, I think the Roman Catholics and some of the high traditions want to say, you know, that the presence of Christ is actually in that bread and in that cup transubstantiation. Uh, I believe he is there, but it's more than just there. Likewise, I think the Pentecostals, you know, the, the modernists, uh, us evangelicals want to say, oh, I had a personal feeling and experience of the presence of Christ. I felt it right here. I do think it's a legitimate thing to feel the presence of Christ, although I don't think it happens on command. But then uh, Anabaptists want to take it beyond the individualist and the material and want to say socially, this mm-hmm. is where Christ promises to be present and work and, and uh, mm-hmm. manifest his kingdom. So uh, that changes the whole nature of the way we think about how Christ becomes present and works among us. How does that change it for either of you two gents? Has that been a helpful expansion of the idea of sacrament for, for the Anglican mindset? And I realize you're both Neo or New Anglicans, but still. Neo fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think, I do think it's, uh, it's helpful. And again, I, I'm, you know, we're new, we're new Anglicans, so uh, it's hard to speak, I guess, from the, from that perspective uh, outward, because I feel like I actually came from the other perspective into it. Um, but I, I, I do think at its best, you know, um, the Anglican vision of, of a sacrament is that, you know, for lack of a better term, the, the liturgical sacrament uh, informs and flows into what would be, you know, what would be more of a social sacrament. Um, I think probably, I think probably the the need for the Anabaptists came up because a lot of the social sacrament element was assumed. It was just assumed that well, this is this is just this automatically happens. Um, and so the what, what I see as important, I think, in part of that is holding these two things in tension: the social sacrament, the liturgical sacrament. Basically, saying like there, there um, I'm thinking of a phrase from Simon Chan's book, Liturgical Theology, where he talks mm-hmm. about the need for active participation in the liturgy for it to mm-hmm. be effectual. And yeah. so, active participation in the sacraments is required. This isn't magic. Um, and I think that's that's the element of it that I think the Anabaptist perspective is really, really helpful for, and and was a necessary corrective to in the Anglican tradition. Yes. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I just wonder how much of the assumption of a social sacrament in early Anglicanism was undone and deconstructed through sort of the subjective uh, modernistic self and the individualism that sort of emerged and kind of flourished and flowered in the 20th century. You know, Yoder's theology was 
Hewn in the modernistic, individualistic sort of milieu where he had to recover and call us back to this social sacrament. That I, I, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with Ben. Maybe this is why we do so well together as co-pastors. That the social, <laughs> the social element of the sacrament was, was simply assumed. And and, it, and we we've lost it, and now we're on recovering it. Yeah, yeah. and this uh, theologian, this Catholic theologian that both uh, Jeff and I love, uh, Henri de Lubac, talks oh, you about stole my thought. Okay, oh. you take you take <laughs> reading my mind. Okay, you <laughs> just reading my mind, just as you guys. That's scary. Okay. That's scary, man. That's David how close. That's how close but, we are. Yeah. We're sharing earbuds well, right well, now. What by I was going to say maybe this is, point, <laughs> is de Lubac says. To ask the question of where is the body of Christ, in the ancient mm-hmm. church, the body of Christ was assumed to be the church, yes. the mm-hmm. social institution of the church and all the members making up the church. Social body. The eh? social body. And then, yes. and then the Eucharist or communion or Lord's table was kind of like a certain instance of the body of Christ, but it was mm-hmm. like below the ecclesial body as far yes. as the real body of Christ. And then he maps out how over a thousand years those swapped that the sacramental Eucharistic body became the primary place of the body of Christ, that, yes. that he is right there in that wafer and in that juice, which is now blood after the prayer. As, and then the, the church kind of became this kind of subordinate body. Um, and so I think that kind of comes into... It was a power move, basically. The, yeah, yeah, and so everything yeah. became centered into these elements, which mm-hmm. are controlled by the priests who have to say and do a couple things, otherwise the body doesn't show up. And so mm-hmm. once you get that... Then I think the Reformation and Anabaptists and the, the whole priesthood of believers and recovering all that is this yes. process of trying to find that social body, which I think becomes the need for recovering that's what we've been calling the social sacrament. But really, it's just saying, well, where is the body of Christ? And, mm-hmm. you know, when we, you know, Dave and his book, Faithful Presence, and all of us were saying, well, the body of Christ really is the church out in the world doing these things. Yes. Was that what you were going to say, Fitch? I saw exactly what I was I going think to say. I said it clearer, though. Uh, <laughs> it's just, but you're always saying. clearer than I am. But, you know, uh, this gets to then the major point, I think, of social sacrament is that, and, and maybe this is the sticking point for our Anglican and neo-Anglican brothers and sisters. Uh, it, it's, it's the fact that the practice of the table, though instituted and I don't like this word, but I'm going to say it anyways, fenced there in the close circle is the way I call it, does not mean that it stays there, but actually the practice of his presence wherever we eat moves into the neighborhoods and into the places we go inhabit and and be guests with the poor and the hurting and the broken. And this is where space is opened up for the presence of Christ to become known and 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 made known to people who do not yet know him. And so uh, that, I think, is the sticking point. Wouldn't you say, uh, uh, my neo-Anglican brothers, did you notice how I said my neo-Anglican brothers? That's, That's like my, my two Anglican friends. My, my two <laughs> Anglican friends whom I love, wouldn't you say that's the sticking point for you Anglicans? You're all hung up on this close table, fence table, institution of the Eucharist. How dare you say the presence can walk out that door? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, traditionally, uh, Anglicans practice a closed table. So the the communion is for the baptized faithful. Mm -hmm. Um. And in my understanding of, of why why the closed table, it's it's sort of a it's protection 
It's um, it's so that you don't oversee someone eating the body and blood unworthily. Uh, because you know, Paul says in First Corinthians fourteen that some people are, some people, some people have to cash in their uh, medical savings account because you know. First Corinthians eleven. Yeah, uh, is that eleven? Yes. Yes. Thank you. You work at the seminary. I just <laughs> yeah. First Corinthians eleven. Yeah. So so what I what what I tell what I tell you Anglicans. I wish sometimes I was an Anglican. But what I tell you, Anglicans, is all you have to do is lose one letter, the letter D, from closed to close. And I argue you don't lose anything going from losing the D because we are still discerning the table. We are still protecting one another from eating the, mm-hmm. the body and blood unworthily. We are still, in fact, I would argue there is no presence of Christ at the ground zero of the table without the discerning of the table where all his subjects come to be made subject and in relationship to him, we become a body. So tell me, uh, um, so I guess what I'm saying is what do you, where, where am I, what am I missing? If anything, uh, where, where should I, where should, what, what am I missing that Anglicans are trying to tell me if anything? Okay. Well, Can I give you an analogy? Dave? I just <laughs> yes, an analogy. <laughs> an analogy is good. Give an analogy. I know that you have you have been outspoken about the need for, even as Christendom sort of structures and institutions are crumbling, and people trust them less and less. You have been an advocate f- for the regular uh, ordination of people who are called into the ministry. Yes. So, right. You you don't want to get away with or do away with ordination, uh, but you want to maintain and and have that under sort of the church's purview. Yes. I want I want it to be driven in continuity with the historical manifestation of the church. I think Anglicans can appreciate that. Yes, I do appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, it warms the cockles of my heart to hear you say that, Dave. <laughs> uh, but but also you're also an advocate for the priesthood of all believers. Mm-hmm. So for me, yeah, I see yes. you nodding. Okay, yes. I think your silence is affirmative. Uh, so for me, there's an analogy here. I think if you lose ordination, you lose the priesthood of all believers. Yes. If you lose the priests, you lose the priesthood of all believers. If you lose the table, you, you lose the extension of the table. I couldn't agree more. I'm going to use this. I wish I had a pen. I wish I had a pen and paper to copy it down so I wouldn't forget it. It's I, the first it, time I've thought of it, so I'm not sure it's, if it's true. But and it's genius, and and really, um, uh, you know, uh, when Paul says first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then the rest of the gifts. Likewise, he says in Ephesians four, uh, for you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, and then to to the ministry of the rest of the church. I think it's not it's not that the priest is is uh, somehow over and above the other priesthoods, but he's just the first that gets the rest in motion. Yeah. And, and, and... I would say he or she, yeah? He or she, thank you. First gifts set the rest in motion. This yeah. table at the center of the close gathering sets the rest of the tables into motion. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so yeah. there's, an, there's an integrity and a faithfulness at the close or closed table 
you know, that there's a tension here. How do you maintain that integrity? Um, mm-hmm. I, I can tell you how we do it at our church. I mean, okay. we're not the best Anglicans. Um, we, we have, you know, I, I, when I say we're not the best Anglicans, I'm not, I'm not, we're doing this under the permission of our, uh, of the people above us, but I'm not sure every Anglican would do this. We, we have printed in our, our booklet for worship that communion is for, uh, all, all baptized Christians from every tradition. But in our, in our call to the table, we, that is our altar call. So we're proclaiming the gospel and we're, we're, we're helping people, we're naming and declaring what you're doing as you eat and drink of this. Mm-hmm. And whoever wants to say yes to that is welcome here. Yes. So we let, we let Jesus, <laughs> we let Jesus fence his table. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that Jesus fences his table is whoever wants to receive can receive. Right. But the, uh, in order to receive, you must discern. Like, uh, yes. in order for me to sign a document, a loan document for a new car, well, no. uh, <laughs> in, in order to sign that document legally, I have to know what I'm doing. This, this, this is where we get into the sticky problem. And now we're going to get off topic, but, uh, you yeah, know, this is like marriage though. You, you say yes to get married. And you definitely, no one knows what they're doing when they say I had yes no idea. That. I knew that. I knew you were going to say that. And there's a lot <laughs> so of other, do we really need to do there's a lot of that are, there's, we say yes to Jesus. There's a lot of other complicating factors as well. Uh, like for those who are mentally handicapped, can they know right. in the same way as, is so I'm not, yeah. pers- I'm not scripting the way you have to know. In fact, I would argue that it's the community that knows for you. And as participants in a community at large, you are discerning with them. But you are still saying yes when the, when the minister says, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? If you don't say yes, then no one else can agree with you. Likewise, uh, I mean, I don't think my, I don't think Oh, I, I'm going to get into real trouble if one if I go in that direction. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I was I was going to say I don't think my dog can receive communion because a, a bark is not the same as a yes. I can't go, Stanley. Do you re- do you take this man as your lawfully? Oh, this is getting even worse. This and he's going to go bark. No, it doesn't mean the same thing. So, but anyways, all that to say, we can. To whatever degree God has given us the wisdom and wherewithal, we can agree and, and the community can agree with us. And in a sense, the historic traditions have have had a first communion after confirmation for children. But before yes. confirmation, they're not taking communion. But they are taking communion with and alongside and receiving the blessing of their parents. So yeah. all that to say, that was a lot of Eucharistic theology and... Three minutes or less. So for our next episode, we will ask whether a mouse can partake of a crown <laughs> of the body of Christ that fell while it was being served to, right. to, to yeah. the rest of the congregation. Okay, and I don't know how much time we have left, but I want to carry it into this next. All right, we just got a couple minutes. All right. Can we talk mission? Can we talk mission and how That's sacrament? where I wanted to go. I All wanted right, to say, is the up. table in McDonald's really sacramental? I've had that asked to me. Mm. Is the table... In McDonald's, number three breakfast sandwich, large coffee, three creams, and you're sharing it with somebody, is that really sacramental? Yeah. And I want to say an unqualified yes. I want to say a qualified yes. <laughs> oh. 
Unqualified? Yes. Why is yours qualified? Go ahead, Holstein. Well, because it just depends on what you mean by sacrament at that point. Because, and this goes back to the liturgical or the social, if, if a sacrament is defined by something that is clearly commanded by Christ to do under the authority of an ordained or some other recognized church leader, uh, which is a kind of a narrow definition, but maybe that's what people go with, then it's not. Uh, but if you define a sacrament as the place that Christ promised to be or to show up um, in the church, then I would say yes. But those are two different understandings. And a lot of people go toward the first one it is like, a, you know, communion, baptism, other things. These yeah. are things that professional religious professionals who have been credentialed and qualified and ordained do not necessarily on our behalf, but with and for us. Um, and so if that's your view, then it's no. But we're trying to open up that view and say, that's part of what it means to be sacramental. But Christ has also promised himself in certain ways to the mm-hmm. church. And when we engage in those things, then we will find him. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to unqualifiedly, I mean, <laughs> unqualifiedly disagree. Uh, i just say two things. One, um, and this is, this is the riskiest part of what I'm going to say. Uh, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of an excess exegesis, meaning if you're going to try to pull a Scott McKnight on and me and do authorial intent and all this stuff, it's not going to fly. But I was about excess to I'm about that to. Jesus says, whenever you eat, be present to my presence. Or literally, whenever you eat, whenever you eat this bread, drink this cup, do it in remembrance of me. Another translation, whenever you eat, wherever you eat. There am I in the midst. Do it. Be present to my presence. So um, I want to argue that when uh, Luke chapter 10, he sends the people out to 70, they come back. They sit at tables, by the way. They sit at tables and he says, be present there. Uh, eat what sets before you, et cetera, et cetera. And then they come back and he says, when they received you, they received me. When they welcomed you, they welcomed me. And when they rejected you, they rejected me. That was me there. They were welcoming. Okay, on on that basis, I want to argue that the presence of Christ is promised uh, wherever you eat and tend to his presence. Now, he will not always be welcomed in what I call the half circle. But that does not mean that he does not come specifically there to work. And this is the revolutionary thing uh, that I've learned in my life that's completely changed the way I enter a space and make space for, for Christ to be present and then tend to his presence in the working of the person God has put before me in the places of McDonald's, Potbelly Bar, in wherever I am, ministering and being present with people in their lives. Um, that's, that's my unqualified yes. Here's what's coming Comments, to mind. Comments, questions, pushbacks. Yeah. Here's what's coming to mind for me. I would say if you're going to define sacramental as is Christ present working in the midst of that, I would, I would agree with you and say, yeah, sure. Of course, it's sacramental. Uh, it's not a capital S sacrament, perhaps. Um, but I think, mission, I think mission has to be sacramental for it to be mission. You know, otherwise, we're not participating in the mission of God. We're we're just trying to do nice things for people. Um, but maybe as well, the, the other thing that, um, that this typically comes back to for me is that is the connection again, between the social sacrament and the liturgical sacrament. And so maybe the only way for McDonald's to be sacramental 
is if it is connected in some way through, you know, the person, one of the people sitting at McDonald's through a capital S sacrament, participation in a sacrament. Um, that's the only way that McDonald's can be sacramental. Again, I, I got to admit, I got I to admit, I'm wincing really badly right now. Uh, <laughs> when, when I hear capital S sacrament versus <laughs> small s sacrament, or when I hear the distinction between liturgical sacrament and, and uh, social sacrament, I do believe with the great Henri de Lublin, De Lubach, that that what we do on Sunday morning institutionally, I'll call it institutionally, mean we have the words of institution, we have the Eucharistic prayer, the epiclesis, we have all these things historically set into motion that that make this social sacrament reality. But it's but it's no different when I go into McDonald's. In fact, I argue that I say Thanksgiving. It's no different. See, that's where I would do. Okay. Okay. It is different. I, 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 oh, I, so qualified. I qualifiedly say it's no different. <laughs> I, I do, was unqualified five minutes I ago. do the, the Eucharistic record. prayer in McDonald's. How about this? I do the so, epiclesis in McDonald's. I do. I do the, about them as different circles in your book. There's the close circle. Right. There's, but there's McDonald's is the half circle. Dave, there's I'm emphasizing the continuity here. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> there's a tension though. You're talking about, you can't, you can't have a sacrament unless you discern the table. There's a social element, but now you're talking about this individuated capital D Dave, capital F Fitch in McDonald's by himself, discerning the table and extending the presence of Christ. Yeah. Well, so there's uh, a bit of a tension there for me. There's a social element to it. But like now, now you're you're distanced from the church. You're part of the church, but you're you're this uh, you're this living stone, not connected socially in the same space with other living stones. But this is exactly what I'm trying to fight against in in our friends, the Kuyperians, <laughs> the Niburian Kuyperians. Yes. I want to say the church is just stuck in this one little sphere, and there's all a bunch of other spheres. McDonald's is evidently another sphere. And I am sent out as an individual from this sphere into another sphere. And, well, and the way you're ta- I'm saying the way you're talking about it sounds and, like that. And I would say, no, it's not. It's one whole way of life. Now, I admit that often in McDonald's, it's been me alone, but actually always in McDonald's, it eventuated into two or three uh, at McDonald's together. Same way with Potbelly Bar. Now it's three of us who meet there regularly on Wednesday nights. But my, my point is that, um, uh, yes, there are differences between the three circles. The discerning close table is not the same as the table in the neighborhood where we do not demand the same uh, accounting of discernment. And Jesus, it's the disciple that's hosting the table in the neighborhood, and there's space now for the neighbors to see. But also, uh, I'm the guest. I'm in, I'm in a guest position in McDonald's. And so I don't think you can deny Jesus entered Zacchaeus' home. He, he entered Levi's home as guest. The, yes. the, the Luke 10 episode is guest. Go as sheep among wolves. Go without yes. a purse. Go yes. sit there and, have, and eat what's set before. Oh, and, and the guest position is so essential, but still it's a table, and still Jesus promises to be present in Luke 10, and I would argue evidenced in numerous other sacraments, and I argue in the book, it got sequestered into the church in the four walls. Holtzclaw's telling me to shut up. I went off. All on right. Well, I, there's a little popping on the line. I'm wondering if our internet connection is uh, is fading on us. 
but I think that's a good way to wrap it up. I, that's I, a good way to wrap it up. Well, we just it, opened up a huge can of worms. I mean, yeah, it's so exactly, huge. Exactly. But can this, of folks, worms. is what the Anglican Anabaptist conversation is all about. This is what we can do at Telos Collective. This is what we can yes. do at AMIA and all the other Anglican that's, places. I just found out the Telos Collective conference is here at Northern this uh, coming yeah. year. And Cherith and I are at uh, Amia's thing in Dallas in January, too. Oh, nice. So yeah. I think there's a lot more we could keep talking about this. I want to know how sacramental fits with uh, how people talk about the kingdom. And are we yes. getting a little too loosey-goosey when we talk about sacramental mm-hmm. rather than sacraments, whether they're capitalized or not? So there's lots more that we could yes. keep talking about. But this is probably enough for today, Matt has one thing that he just is dying. He, his brain might explode if he doesn't get it out. No, there's, there's eschatology here too, right? Because, oh, yes. yes. Because the sacraments are preparing us for reality where, where creation is shot through with the presence of God. Yes. And so the only reason, one of the reasons we have sacraments is so we can begin to, to experience and receive the goodness of God in water, in wine, and in bread, the three basic elements of existence. So that then we can wine is one of the basics. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah. So so we've been talking primarily. We can discern that everywhere. Yeah. Dave's book is primarily focused on we could say like place, and all of us talk about place. But Mm. so how do place and sacraments connect? But I think Matt, you're you're right on. How does time and sacraments connect? Yes. And so that's. A great place to leave it for, for another time. Shall we do this? All right. Time? So, we'll ladies and gentlemen, I got to shut uh, Holesclaw off or he'll just ramble on forever. <laughs> I just want to say thanks for being with us on another uh, episode of Theology on Mission from Northern Seminary, live from the Griffiths. Uh, what do you call this again, Holesclaw? It's whatever you call it. Griffith Recording Studio, Northern Seminary. Thanks for being with us. Please give us a review on what do you call it? Oh, yes. He's doing the review thing. <laughs> well, on, you always uh, do it iTunes, please give us a review. We haven't had a new review since last June. It's really breaking my heart. As a three on the Enneagram, I'm feeling like a failure. Very sad. I'm an eight on the Enneagram, and I can care less. I need external affirmation. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't believe Jesus loves me. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, a review would be fantastic. Also, I want to thank Matt and Ben for joining us at Gravity Leadership. Please check them out. And their church is, what is it, guys? The table. The table, Indy. The table. The table yeah. indie.org. We, yeah. The table indie.org. Go visit if you're around the area down there, folks, in Indianapolis. beautiful Indianapolis. And so it's over now, ladies and gentlemen. I have to cut whole claw off. Been great to be with you. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. All right. Cut. Great. Excellent. <laughs> oh, Dave took his earpiece out. He's done with you guys. He's, he's off. <laughs> he's off. He's out. <laughs> Earbud drop. Drop the earbuds.